At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I do. Welcome into Odds On here on a Tuesday. I am Mike Palm along with Amal Shaw. Amal coming up in about a half an hour. We'll have Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal on. Talk about the Raiders, some of their off the field issues, and their projections for the playoffs. Yeah, can't wait to hear about that. Should be a lot of fun. Adam always brings a lot of energy. We'll get his take on several different things there. But uh, big night in Pittsburgh last night. You know, so impressed to see the man that cured cancer, Ben Roethlisberger, being honored after that game last night. I would have thought this guy was damn Tom Brady. How do you think Roethlisberger will be remembered, not in Pittsburgh, but by the NFL as a whole in its fandom? I thought he was a very good quarterback. I think the fact that he spent his entire career in one city will bode well for his legacy. Obviously, he'll make the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, Eli Manning's going to get in, so Roethlisberger's the shoe-in. Steelers win 26-14 last night. A Najee Harris 37-yard touchdown run as they were running out the clock. Yeah. He didn't go down no. like most are trained to do. The rookie from Alabama scored, killed all the Browns teasers, uh, and, uh, and some other team totals bets that some of our people here at the network had. But the real story last night, the Pittsburgh defense – they got to Baker Mayfield nine times, including four sacks by J.J. Watt, bringing his league-leading total to 21, just one short of the all-time single-season record of 22 set by Michael Strahan in the early 2000s. Well, actually, I want to correct you on one thing. It's still Mark Gastineau's record. That gift that the Brett Favre and the Packers gave was an absolute joke. I mean, I know we're in that generation of giving away trophies for participation, but for me now, he's a half a sack behind Gastineau, and he's got an opportunity to pass him. Uh do you think that Watt locked up Defensive Player of the Year last night? His odds now minus four dollars. Micah Parsons, you were never in on plus three fifty. You can find Aaron Donald at eight to one now. Still the best defensive player in the game. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it is TJ Watt. You know Parsons from linebacker U, which hasn't been linebacker U since about two thousand when Lavar was there last. Uh, I'll tell you what though, TJ Watt has been an absolute difference maker. The Steelers lead the NFL in sacks, and he's obviously been the key catalyst of it. But it's not just the fact that he, if he doesn't get home, it's the amount of pressure he puts on the quarterback that allows the guys along with him to be able to reap the rewards. The Browns came into the game, the NFL's number one rushing offense. The Steelers, the NFL's number 32 rush defense. Kevin Stefanski and the boys decided we're not going to run the ball at all. Nick Chubb, six carries. They said he was battling a rib injury, um, but if the Browns aren't going to be able to run the football, they didn't have much chance in this game. Tell you what, there's some great stiff arms I've seen all time. Najee had a great one last night, but the one Nick Chubb had, he just absolutely pulverized the Steelers' uh, secondary player. I don't remember who it was. It it was unbelievable, and it was near the line of scrimmage, actually. Uh, You know, first of all, Stefanski saved second-half over betters by going for it on fourth and about a, a a fifth of the field there on fourth and 19. They get the P.I. called, then they go down and score, so it takes the second half over. But to me, the problem with the Browns is you can see now Baker Mayfield has zero confidence. I just don't think he's the guy moving forward. I'm not sure what you do if you're the Browns because you're built to win right now. You've got a tremendous running game. I, I don't know how you do it, but you figure out a way to go get either Russell Wilson, uh, if, if you think Deshaun Watson's not going to have off-field issues in terms of legal uh, ramifications long-term, 
or Aaron Rodgers, any guy that has an opportunity to walk away from their present team, imagine if you told Aaron Rodgers, hey, by the way, listen, we're going to need you to hand the ball off 30 times a game and just surgically throw the ball about 15 times. He's going to be like, where do I sign? If you're Russell Wilson, and let's say this uh, eventuality comes that you leave Seattle, would you rather go to Cleveland or Miami? Well, it depends. See, because his wife is a famous entertainer, the singer Sierra. So do you want to be in a bigger media market in Miami, the no state income tax? Or do you want an opportunity to be able to win a Super Bowl? Because I think there's a greater chance of winning a Super Bowl in Cleveland than there is in Miami. Where do you think Baker Mayfield plays next year? Well, I'm going to steal your line, Mike Palm. The <laughs> Hamilton Tiger Cats. i got to give you full credit for that one. I was dying laughing when you said that before we came on the air. Uh, I'm just not sure. You know, the reality of it is... Baker's height is a bit of a liability for him at times. You know, Kyler Murray has a great scrambling ability. Russell Wilson can seem like he can duck under every defender and just make plays. I just don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be a guy that's going to get your franchise to a Super Bowl. You know, we have a plethora of quarterbacks in the NFL that are just good enough to get player, or teams to the playoffs, but not to win a Super Bowl. And in this sport, what makes it so great, or in any sport, is that the end game or end goal is to win. And I don't think you're going to do that with Baker Mayfield at the helm. On Tuesdays, we do our three up and three yep. down power ratings of NFL teams, how they changed over the weekend. We always start with the positive, with the up, and we share uh, two of our three ups, the Raiders and the Bengals and all. Yeah, I tell you what, this Raiders team, when you look at the success they've had against AFC opponents so far this year, uh, we saw them take care of business against the Ravens earlier this year. That was huge for them. Uh, along the way, this win against the Colts and several others in between. This team, Mike, has put themselves in a position that I, I didn't believe they would be in, and I'm fairly certain many people didn't believe they'd be in that position as well. Yeah, and then the Bengals. Uh, what impressed me more than anything was the fact that they had a rally in the second half against the Chiefs. The defense really stepped it up, uh, held the Chiefs scoreless, I believe, on four straight drives. Then they had their opportunity down at the end with Zach Taylor uh, foregoing the field goal, but in, in the end it all worked out, and they win a very competitive division, the AFC North. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Really impressive in terms of when you look at that division, there were no gimmies in there. And this team was highly competitive. You, you, Mike, look at this division, okay? You've got a quarterback who's going to be a Hall of Famer in Ben Roethlisberger. You've got a player who's on the path, at least early on in his career. Still a long way to go in Joe Burrow's career. But he looks like he's going to be a fantastic long-term quarterback. You've got another first-round pick in Lamar Jackson, who's won a league MVP. And you've got a first overall pick in Bay Baker Mayfield. To be able to navigate this division was really terrific by the Bengals. All right, now then we separate on our third up pick. You went with the Packers. Well, I just think the fact that everything worked out well for them, right? They get home field advantage. Now you've got to go to Lambeau. I don't personally be, uh, believe that the Rams or anyone else is going to be able to go in there and knock them off for a second consecutive year in the NFC Championship game. And, Mike, the biggest thing with getting that one seed nowadays is you become the only team with that bye week. And I think that's so crucial. That's why I think teams like Dallas right now should be resting everybody like it's a bye. Yeah, I went with the Titans as my third up mm -hmm. team. And look, they they're now have a shot one game away from being the overall number one seed in the AFC. They still had to take care of business against the Dolphins in that game without Derrick Henry. I know Tua doesn't play well in, in weather. But Tannehill and the offense still moved the ball against a very good Dolphins defense. You quoted the stats. Four, four games they'd held opponents under 14 points and three of them under 10 points and had come in on a seven-game winning streak. So they won that game. They won the game impressively. You, you were on them. You didn't have to sweat that game very much. Let's turn to the downside of it, uh, and this is where we differed. We have no common picks here. I'll start with your number one down, Dem boys, the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Offense has struggled. You know, outside of the Washington football game, Dak hasn't thrown for more than 250 yards in four out of his last five games. Mike, there's some serious concerns here. Now you lose Michael Gallup to a torn ACL. 
Can Amari Cooper and company really step up with C.D. Lamb? And then the running game has been non-existent. If you're Dallas, the big question mark coming into next year is, what do you do with Zeke? Do you waive him? What happens on the salary cap hit? Because Zeke is not even going to get to 1,000 yards this year unless he has a monster game against Philadelphia. I considered Dallas, but I thought they were going to lose to Arizona. So it's yeah. not, I didn't really downgrade them that much. I'll give you my number one down. I say the Bucks, And they came back and they won that game, but no A.B. now. And I think that's key in the in the playoff run, especially with the injuries that they've had with Godwin being out for the season. Remember Brown caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. He was a safety blanket for Tom Brady. I think they're a different team. I don't know if they can go into Lambeau and win without him. I would agree with you. know Chris Godwin, of course, with the torn ACL as well. That's a huge impact on this team. But to me, the one thing is I'm not sure. Yes, the talent on the field hurts you, the loss of Antonio Brown. But... Uh, I, I feel like some of the things away from the field are not as bad. Your number two down was uh, the Browns. Yeah, I just thought this team had a great opportunity throughout the season. They had an opportunity down the stretch against Green Bay, down a field goal. You get the football. All you need to do is get three points and win that game. They failed to do that. They had four picks in that game, and they were still in it. Uh, when you look at this team, I thought too many squandered opportunities down the stretch. My number two is the Giants. This this team, this organization is lost. That game was over six minutes in when it was 14 nothing Bears. You knew the Giants weren't going to score 14 points in that game. Through any of the quarterbacks that they've tried to use, they haven't come up with anybody. I mean, they continue to trot Glennon out there. Fromm is a joke. There's just no offense on this team. There's been no stability in the organization. They fired coaches every two years. I guess they don't want to do that again with Joe Judge, so they're giving him a vote of confidence, and he's going on and on about how guys all want to come back and play there. It's a real joke. Final down for you, the Chiefs. Yeah, I just thought this team missed an opportunity to have home field advantage throughout. I thought it would have been very difficult, whether it be Tennessee, Baltimore, or, or anyone else, having to go into Arrowhead and winning against the Chiefs on the road there. But they're still dangerous enough. I thought they got exposed a little bit, Mike. You know, everybody had been singing their praises about their defense, and I get Joe Burrow and this offense have moved the ball against everyone. Still, you have a 14-point lead. You've got Kansas City's offense. They squander this opportunity. Uh, I thought this is a pretty big blow to them. And, and my final down to the Ravens. Uh, look, I understand the, the quarterback issues with, with Lamar Jackson, but Matt Stafford gift wrapped that game for them. He gave him a pick six. He fumbled when they were in the red zone. You got to be able to hang on and win that game and, and keep your, your, your scant playoff soaps alive. Now they need like six things to happen. I want to take a couple of, uh, the uh, the future markets where they're coming down here with the final week to go. Coach of the year, very tight. Zach Taylor, the favorite at plus 150 a mall. Matt LaFleur, plus 175. Mike Vrabel's plus 150. Belichick, 20 to 1. Sirianni, 35 to 1. I don't think this is actually close. I can't believe this is plus 150 and it has to be bet on, which is yeah. Zach Taylor. Yeah. He's going to win it. Yeah. Look, you know, Mike Vrabel has got still a long-term franchise quarterback, or at least what they deem to be in Tannehill. They've got an experienced team. You've got A.J. Brown there. This is a Cincinnati team that has absolutely been horrendous, you know, before Zach Taylor's arrival along with the draft pick of Joe Burrow. Talk about turning around with Jamar Chase. You know, I, you and I were very critical of that pick, especially me. I thought they should have gone offensive line. Give Joe Burrow credit because he had a huge hand in this thing. Hey, take Jamar Chase. He knew he played with this guy every day. And the success there that they've had has been tremendous. It's impacted T. Higgins. It's also impacted the most uh, selfish celebration guy of all time in Joe Mixon. I've never seen the guy celebrate with his teammates. Comeback player of the year. Two weeks ago, this was a, a lock. Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott was like minus $7, and Joe Burrow was plus $5. Now Dak minus 140, Joe Burrow plus 110. Well, it depends on how you classify this, because no. Burrow went out much later in the year compared to Dak last year. So I'm not sure if you, how you look at it. 
Uh, but I think Burrow's got a great shot. I don't understand why it's Dak Prescott. It should be Joe Burrow to me. Uh, you know what I think today is, Amal? I think this is the kickoff of the college basketball season, right? Yeah. We're done. Football's wrapped yeah. up. College football, one week left in the NFL. What a slate of games we have ahead. Can't wait to pick your brain on it. That's next. Odds on. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free. And available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, and Amal's personal favorite, citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash f-i-n. ND. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm with the Mall Show. We'll have Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal joining us in about 15 minutes. Terrific night of college basketball games, at least it appears, maybe for viewing. You have your own opinion about for betting. And I want to start in Stillwater, where the Kansas Jayhawks, who you talked about yesterday, is one of the teams you like to win the Big 12, take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Kansas laying six and a half on the road, a total of 144. Kansas only lost so far this year. Amal was to Dayton in that holiday tournament at the HP Fieldhouse in Orlando, 74-73, where they blew a 20-point first-half lead. Oklahoma State, not a great year. They've lost at Gallagher-Iba to Wichita State and Xavier. This game will be starting at 6 o'clock Pacific on ESPN2. Yeah, that Xavier was a good game there. Uh, they just really couldn't get, knock down shots from perimeter, and that's a problem for Oki Light when you look at them all season long. Mike, they shoot below 30% from the three-point line. What's worth worse with this team is they're shooting only 65% from the free-throw line, and they've gotten progressively worse. When you look at them, uh, Avery Anderson has actually regressed. Last year was in the high 80s. I always loved that late-game situation when him or Cade Cunningham would get the ball. They're going to knock down free-throws. He's only at 72% this year. This Kansas team is terrific. They're unselfish. They're better than 51% from the floor. When you look at Gonzaga and KU, a common theme with them is their ball distribution. They want to get out and run, make rim runs when they get the opportunity to do that. I think KU is going to be able to do that here tonight. I think if you are Kansas, you make Oklahoma State beat you from the perimeter. I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be able to do that. Now, you know me. I'm not going to lay six and a half in this spot going into Gallagher. I remember Bill Self played here at Oklahoma State. Uh, this is always usually a meaningful game for him, but I think Kansas is just too deep, too strong for this Oklahoma State team. I think they slowly pull away in this game unless they really struggle to shoot the basketball. All right, let's go to Milwaukee and the Pfizer firm, also at 6 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock late local tip. The top of the Big East, Providence, 13-1, and 3-0 and against the bottom of the Big East, Marquette, who's 0-3 in league play and 8-6 and overall. Providence already has league wins oh, at UConn and versus DePaul. Their only loss was to Virginia in a holiday classic in Newark. Marquette has lost four in a row coming in, including to UConn and Creighton at home. This game overnight, Providence was favored by two a mall. 
The favorite has switched. It's now Marquette minus one and a half, total 137 and a half. I'm not surprised by that line move. If you saw the Marquette game on Saturday against Creighton, I thought it was a missed opportunity for uh, Marquette in this one. They had a three-point lead with about two seconds remaining. Creighton hits a three-pointer to tie it to send it to overtime, and they pull away in that game, Mike. Really disappointing performance by Marquette and Shaka Smart's team here. This is a team that has just been highly inconsistent. That's the biggest issue with them. Again, the shooting, only 43%. You can't shoot that low in a competitive league like the Big East, below 32% from the three-point arc. And then how about the balance we're seeing out of Ed Cooley's team? Terrific so far this year. Four double-digit scores, but Durham and Reeves and company have been outstanding. Watson as well. This team is tough. They will defend you. Do it. They do an excellent job on the defensive glass of limiting your offensive rebounding opportunities. I think this will be a tough game. Didn't touch this one, but I think this is one of those games if you could get Providence at some point in time, let's say they fall behind, I don't know, eight to two, whatever, you get plus three and a half, four and a half. I would love to take PC here. I think they're probably going to figure out a way to win this game, and their only loss is to UVA. And if they were to rematch with them, I think they would beat them at this point. But watch out for PC when we were talking about who could win the Big East. Uh, this is an important game. If, you, if they want to show they're a real contender, this is the kind of game Nova would win on the road, Mike. PC's got to win this game tonight. Uh, Bruce Pearl and his ninth-ranked Auburn Tigers invade Columbia, South Carolina, and Colonial Life Arena to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Auburn's 12-1. and They beat LSU impressively at home to open SEC play. Their only loss in double overtime to Connecticut. South Carolina comes in at 9-3. and This is their SEC opener. Best win probably against Florida State. They've lost to Princeton, Coastal Carolina, and Clemson. Auburn. The Tigers laying nine and a half, total 144 and a half. Well, let's start with South Carolina. You mentioned that game against Florida State. What a great come from behind. At one point in the end game in that one, you could have gotten South Carolina plus 15 and a half, played at a neutral site. They come from behind against Florida State, who had an opportunity late in the game to be able to win it, failed to do so. You know, the one thing about Frank Martin, he doesn't have a ton of talent there, but his teams play hard and they continue to do that. They're going to need to do that tonight, Mike. Um, this number is kind of interesting here. Not the number I would lay on the road with Auburn. This is an Auburn team that struggles on the road. We saw it at South Florida in Tampa against Brian Gregory's team. Who, this team, and you, uh, you, excuse me, USF couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. I think in this matchup here, just based on the way South Carolina plays, it's going to be a tough, tenacious game. But I'm going to give the edge to Jabari Smith, who, by the way, if you haven't seen him play, I think this game will probably be on SEC Network. Tune in. You know, everyone's talking about Palo Banchero and Chet Holmgren for the number one pick. Jabari Smith has a legitimate shot to be the first overall pick in this draft. 6'10", can do it inside, outside, is a terrific player. And this team in Auburn is dangerous. They're deep, they're talented, and they're going to put pressure on you. And defensively, they are outstanding. And the big man, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he is outstanding in terms of the shot block. And Kessler had 10 blocks last time out. I mean, it was unbelievable in terms of what he was able to do in the last game. So it should be interesting how South Carolina performs at home. You're absolutely right. I'm all the game is on the SEC network. It goes at 3.30, yeah. early start. So if you want to get your bet in, note that. Let's go to the Big 12. Uh, Chris Beard and the Texas Longhorns, ranked 14th. Go to Manhattan to take on Kansas State. There's another line move here. This game was six yesterday, Amal. Uh, Longhorns now lane eight and a half. Chris Beard known for the defensive style of play. Well, his Longhorns are average, giving up 51.9 points per game. That's the best in Division One. Kansas State lost their Big 12 opener to OU on Saturday at Lloyd Noble, 71-69. to This game goes 4 o'clock Pacific um, from the Bromwich Coliseum in Manhattan. Yeah, you talked about going into Bramwich. Always tough when you go into the Little Apple. And I'm going to tell you, Mike, I wouldn't lay it in a half here. I would take it before I lay it. 
You look at Texas, their two leading scorers, Timmy Allen and Trey Mitchell, one from Utah and the other one from UMass. This team has had transfers. Marcus Carr, obviously a key catalyst at the point guard position. They lost a just a ton of talent from last year's team, especially on the front line there. But I, I tell you, Chris Beard, give him credit. His teams have been defending. Uh, they offensively have not clicked at a level that I would expect them to, but no shame in the two losses so far. Gonzaga and, of course, Seton Hall. Seton Hall, a team I think is flying a little bit under the radar. I think it's just a few too many points. K-State had a terrific win in a neutral site game against Wichita State this year in which they were kind of being underrated and undervalued. Uh, I think this is a few too many points. I think K-State gets the cover in this matchup. Uh, Shorthorns get the W. All right, you just mentioned Seton Hall. They are at Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indiana tonight, 5 o'clock Pacific time on CBS Sportsnet, Sports Network, playing Butler. Seton Hall lost their last two games, both in conference play at Providence and versus Villanova. You are in Providence in that matchup. To drop them to 9-3, and three, also fall to 24th in the rankings. Butler, not quite the Butler teams we remember. 8-4, and four, they did get a win to start their Big East campaign. Their losses this year, though, to Purdue, Houston, and Michigan State. Seton Hall laying 3.5 on the road with a total of 131. Yeah, I don't like this number they're laying on the road here. This team has improved drastically since Michigan State came to Hinkle Fieldhouse. They've played a lot better. And I'll tell you, the key for Butler has been they're the best field goal percentage defense in the Big East, and that's been the key catalyst for them. And if they can do that tonight, they've got a great opportunity in this one. Can you slow down Jared Roten and company? Then you've got an opportunity in this game. But this is a team in Seton Hall that averages almost 78 points a game, Mike. The concern I have is I think if you're Butler, you try to – just make this a half-court game. Do not allow the Hall an opportunity to get out and run if they can do that. And if Harrison Company, if they can be balanced offensively, they've got an opportunity in this game. But they've got to knock down their three-point looks. They're better, actually, than Seton Hall is shooting the three ball. And if they can do that tonight, they've got a great chance to pull the upset. Uh, no play in this one. Big Ten matchup in Piscataway. Michigan goes into the rack to take on Rutgers. Um, Michigan lost at home to Minnesota and then got trounced at Central Florida. Rutgers has won four in a row at home, including that big win over then-ranked number one Purdue, led by three seniors. I like this. Ron Harper Jr., Caleb McConnell, and Geo Baker. Michigan, lane four on the road here, Amal. Both teams come in with a 7-5 and five record, 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten. Total, 132.5, down 3.5 points from the overnight. Yeah, not surprised at all. And tell me, when you look at this team, we talked about it earlier. Remember Purdue goes into Rutgers, and what we saw what happened – Ron Harper Jr. hits the game-winning shot there. I think it's going to be a real challenge for the Wolverines here tonight. It'll be another sellout crowd at the rack, smaller arena. It feels like everybody's on top of you. You mentioned Geo Baker. I give him credit for actually coming back. So many times guys want to jump to the league, and they're not ready or they're not capable of doing it. He stuck around. This team's going to hang its hat on defense, and that's where they're going to have to make their opportunity in this game tonight. And with the way Michigan has struggled from beyond the perimeter, Mike, I think there's a great opportunity for Rutgers here catching four. I, uh, I don't have this in the, in the Palm Reader playbook, but I thought about it. Not sure how I want to attack it. I might think I might take a little 155 on Rutgers here uh, to win this game straight up. I don't disagree. I think the plus four is a very good number, though. I think that's a pretty big number here, and I think you, uh, both of them are possibilities. Yeah. That's not it for college basketball. In the last segment, we'll cover another uh, half dozen games or so, including what's in our playbook. But up next, Adam Hill from the Review Journal. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Yeah, I got it. VSIN's big game special 
is now available. Now through April 5th, you can get the Visa and Big Game Big Dance Special for only $69. The Big Game Betting Guide, including the College Hoops Betting Guide, our daily best bets, 24-7 video access, best betting splits and breakdowns on every game. To sign up, go to vcin.com slash big deal. That's the vcin big game, big dance special. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. And at this time, it's our pleasure to bring in from the Las Vegas Review Journal, Mr. Adam Hill. Many of you know Adam from his appearances on vcin and the terrific job he did filling in for Paulie Howard often on Follow the Money during Paulie's vacation this summer. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. I wouldn't say terrific. I would say adequate. No, no. You were you were much better than adequate. Adequate. You were the best guy on there. Huge game happening here in Las Vegas on Sunday night. The standalone game. The Raiders hosting the Chargers for the right to enter the AFC playoffs. Raiders catching three at home. Is that too many points for the Chargers to be laying? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels at this point kind of like maybe it should be pick them. I mean, I I do think. The Chargers are a slightly better team, uh, but this this spot just feels good for the Raiders. So I, I thought it might be a little bit lower. Um, a full field goal, probably a lot for a Raiders team that has come down to the wire quite a bit this year, and uh, a Raiders team that has been very, very good in close games. I think that's kind of the, the secret to their success. A lot of games that could have gone either way, uh, some fluky results that have gone the Raiders' way, but here they are right with a chance to, to make the playoffs, which is their goal all along. Adam, uh, coming coming home off the big victory in Indianapolis, yet another off-field issue. Uh, rookie defensive back Nate Hobbs from Illinois is arrested for DUI. This just adds to the number of off-field issues, including Gruden and the incident with Ruggs and the girl and her dog getting killed. How much of an effect do you think this has on the Raiders as they prepare for the Chargers? And are the Raiders starting to wear out their welcome in this community? I mean, I, I I don't think so. Um, it, it's a it's been really a really really weird year, obviously, and uh, some of that is their own doing, of course. Some of it is just kind of um, strange circumstances. It, it's it's been you know tragic. It's been sad. It's been everything you could think of, and, and just about all these. I don't want to say breaks have gone against them off the field. It's it's not breaks. I mean, it's again, it's a lot of their own issues, but. Um, it seems like as, as many things have gone against them off the field, uh, they've got just as many breaks on the field. And it's been that kind of weird, strange season. Uh, but in terms of the community, yeah, I think there's some people that are, you know, frustrated and saying, hey, we told you so. That's what happens when you get the NFL. I don't necessarily see it that way. The one thing that really does drive me crazy, and Rich Bisaccia did it yesterday, the interim coach of the Raiders, and um, I, I was upset right away, uh, just like I've been upset with other people nationally that have talked about it and said, hey, you know how Vegas is? Uh, it's not how Vegas is. That's not how things are done here. And, you know, when, when Rich Versace said yesterday, hey, we're very aware of the city that we live in, that is that to me is, is – it was offensive. I mean, it's not – listen, I've been here most of my life, and, and a lot of people love this town. I've been here a long time, and – um, I, I don't think you pin it on the surroundings. You can mess up. You can do bad things anywhere. And, you know, I, I don't think pinning it on Vegas is the right thing. Yeah, Rich, I, excuse me, Adam, I agree with you. I, I think that's completely out of line. And by the way, for people that are unaware, the NFL has a program in which a player can call and get a ride anywhere in the country. There is a car service provided for them. So for these guys getting DUIs, is just absolutely ridiculous. We'll see how it plays out for Hobbs as a first-round pick. 
I don't know if he's got the talent to necessarily overcome this, but I'm sure that'll be something that it gets evaluated at the end of the season. This team matches up on Sunday night revenge spot against the Chargers in this game. Do you think when you look at this team, they have played well enough to be in this position, or some of it has been kind of by hook or crook and a bit fluky? As you said, they've had some great breaks on the field. And does that bode well for them in terms of getting a win? I know Mike asked you about covering the spread. Can this team actually win this game, or is this going to come down to if the Chargers defense actually shows up once uh, like they did last week against Denver or the, 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 Den- excuse me, the Chargers defense we saw in the previous five weeks? Yeah, quite a bit there. First of all, on the you know on the games that have kind of gone their way, and you know I think a lot of times you know there's a there's a debate between you know if you win close games, is that you you know doing something to figure out how to win and just make plays in the right time to win those games, or are there uh, some kind of fluky? Is there some kind of flukiness to late game results? I think there is a little bit of flukiness to the late game results this year for the Raiders. You know, some of the things that have just kind of weirdly gone their way with the Ravens game, there was uh, just a, a wild, just a chaotic ending to that game where they kind of botched it. And then the Ravens messed it up right back to them and fumbled to them. And, you know, two late Lamar Jackson fumbles, which were kind of out of character. Uh, you know, th- things like that have gone their way. The weird call, which I still disagree with in Dallas, uh, that went their way. They, they just have some things that have gone right late in games. So I. I don't think this this team is, you know, is some great team that is just figuring out how to win. I think a lot of breaks have gone their way. And plus, if you really want to be, you know, skeptical of this three-game winning streak, you very easily could and say, hey, they played a Browns team that was missing over 22 guys uh, because of COVID. They won that game. Uh, then uh, they they win a game against a backup quarterback in Teddy in a in Drew Locke after Teddy Bridgewater got hurt against Denver. And then you go play a Colts team where their quarterback didn't practice all week. And by the way, look like it. Carson Wentz looked like he hadn't practiced in a year. Uh, it was, you know, I, I, I still questioned maybe whether he was even ready to go in that game based on how he played and you win that one. So I think some things have just really gone their way. Uh, and as far as the Chargers go, they're kind of the exact opposite. Like they seem like a good team that can't win uh, close games, that doesn't have things go their way at the end. And maybe that's them just not knowing how to win and not knowing how to finish games. And the Raiders do. I, I guess that's possible. Uh, but it just feels like the Chargers uh, have just had a couple of breaks go against them in games where they could have a much better record. Talking with Adam Hill. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Hell, LVRJ, sports writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Adam, you've seen the Raiders play the Chiefs twice this year. Chiefs uh, right now lose the home field advantage to Tennessee, virtue of their loss at Cincinnati. The uh, AFC Championship game might not be an arrowhead for the fourth consecutive year, but the Chiefs still the favorites to make the Super Bowl as low as plus 175 in some spots, as high as plus 225 in others. Do the Chiefs still deserve to be the favorites out of the AFC? And if you're trying to fade them, which team are you looking at? Well, it shows how much I know because I thought uh, going into this week, the the best team in the AFC might be the Colts. Um, I, I thought that they were playing at a, an incredibly high level and, and they were going to be tough to beat, especially with the way that they could, uh, they, they really dominate games in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They can run it. Um, you know, I'm not much of a run the ball and play defense guy, but that is still you know, a tenant of football, and, and it's something that they do incredibly well that nobody else really does. I thought they were playing at a at a very high level, and they would be maybe right up there with the Chiefs. And then all of a sudden, they you know lay a kind of a stinker against the Raiders, and people forget a little bit about them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the Chiefs are 
the best team and probably should be favored because you mentioned not necessarily having home field, but does anybody have faith that the Titans are going to win their game? Uh, you know, clearly and just, you know, be, be the dominant team in the, in the AFC and make sure they, they get to the AFC championship game. They'd only have to win once to get there, but um, I don't have all the faith in the world that they do that. So maybe the chiefs do still host uh, the AFC championship game. Uh, and in that case, yeah, I think that they're, they're going to be really tough to beat, uh, especially at home this year, but there are teams right up there with them. I know Buffalo, when they play well, are there. Josh Allen has been incredibly inconsistent, uh, but they do have that unbelievable defense to kind of ride on. Uh, I think that they're up there, but yeah, the Chiefs, I think, have done enough, not only this year, but uh, the last couple of years to suggest that they should probably be the favorite. Adam, this weekend is an interesting weekend. A lot of games, there's nothing really to play for. Do you tend to look at these games to bet them over? Because if you see some of the scores, perfect example, last year, I mean, you saw games, both teams getting into the 30s on both sides. I mean, it feels like there's a lot of opportunities for some overs, and I know, generally speaking, the public likes to play overs. Yeah, and I think the, the general just kind of thought would be if if the game doesn't mean a lot, you lose a little bit, little bit of the intensity of the game, and that would favor the offense if the defense isn't, um, you know, playing playing with, you know, that uh, – that outright enthusiasm all the time. Uh, maybe the offenses are just out there to show off like you kind of get in a Pro Bowl type setting. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I would think that that would be a lean for me in a lot of cases. Um, maybe if there's if there's weather, you don't, you don't necessarily see that happening. The guys are just like, all right, let's just get this game over with. Uh, but I think for the most part, in, in a game where there's less intensity, I think of uh, uh, oftentimes in like third place, uh, you know, soccer matches and big tournaments. They're just like, you're just out there showing off and kind of out there to play some offense. And you see those games kind of go over sometimes. I think the same thing when there's nothing at stake in an in NFL game. Adam, we got about 30 seconds left. Colorado State still undefeated and further ranked for the first time atop the Mountain West. How good is Nico Medved's team? Can they make a push in the NCAA tournament this year? Yeah, I think they really can. They're they're good, and he's a very, very good coach. I don't think a lot of people nationally know how good of a coach he is. I think they'll know now. They'll understand after this year. That guy's great. He can get it done, and uh, that team is good enough to make a run for sure. Adam, thanks for the time this morning. We always appreciate it. Of course. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Love Adam Hill. Yeah, absolutely. You made a great point about Nico Medvedev, the Russian near Colorado State. He's going to be going on to bigger pastures. All right, when we come back, I'm all in in the Palm Reader Playbook. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. In addition to that, Bet Rivers has added more and more same game parlay props for college football matchups just in time for the biggest games of the season. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois and New Jersey. Pennsylvania call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana 1-800-9 with it. Colorado 1-800-5-2-4700. Michigan 1-800-270-7117. Virginia 1-888-532-3500. And Iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Playable in New Jersey is play Sugar House Void where prohibited. Todd, Mike Palm here with the Mall Shaw. Good start to our 2022 yesterday. You had the Badgers plus 12 and a half at Mackey. They won the game outright. Never really a threat. They put up 74. Johnny Davis outstanding yesterday. Goes for 37 points. I mean, unbelievable performance by him. Most points scored 
against a top five opponent in the last 25 years by a team uh, winning on the road. We're going to have to ask our buddy Frank Schwab when he's on tomorrow. He thought this team wasn't a tournament team. They, they, they... I, I don't believe Frank. I think sometimes Frank wants to self-load because he just wants to prepare himself in case the team isn't as good as expected. Can Wisconsin win the Big Ten? Well, the way they're playing now, this is typical Badgers, right? You don't think so, and all of a sudden they're right there. I think when you look at the top of the Big Ten, and I said this about Purdue yesterday, that's why I don't believe they're a Final Four team. Uh, these are the kind of games, if Kansas, uh, Baylor, Gonzaga, uh, whoever else you want to put in that mix, they're never losing. Duke. Yeah, Duke, thank you. They're never losing these games at home. Uh, Maryland led at halftime, get nine at Iowa for my play. End up losing by five, but another game that was never in doubt. They actually probably should have won the game. Yeah, they trailed early at one point by eight or nine, but the reality of it is this was a great middle opportunity. Mm -hmm. I thought Keegan Murray and company would come back. You could get Iowa's second half, minus two and a half or minus three for the game, and uh, really a great uh, finish here. Give this Iowa team credit. Keegan Murray's having an outstanding season, going to be a lottery pick, but uh, do you believe in this Iowa team? No. (laughs) Not at all. All right, let's go to the, the the plays for today. I'll start out with the, the playbook because I have uh, four plays today. I'm going to start out in the France Cup with my team, Lille. As many people know, I've been on Lille and Lille Unders uh, through the years. Um, they're playing at Lens today in the Stade Félix Belliard de Lelis. And uh, I didn't understand this number. Lille overnight was plus 220 on the three-way. Uh, I took the half a goal here. I look for this game to be very low scoring, perhaps 1-1. Lille won League One last year. They haven't played as well, sitting at eighth right now. Lens right behind them here. This is the round of 32 in the French Cup, but I don't see Lille losing this game in regulation. I laid 40 cents this morning. I saw it. I'm all up to 50 cents right now. Two ways to play it. I think they're still plus 175 on the three-way. Going to take a hockey first period under tonight. Uh, Sharks, Wings, um, Reimer, uh, and Nadelkovich, I believe, is what's going to be listed. Now, listen to this carefully, because if it's not Reimer and Nadelkovich, I'll pass on this game. you got to look and see who's goaltending. Sometimes you don't even know up to the start, but I played first period under 1.5, minus 105. I'm going to take Rutgers. I'm going to take them and the four points. I'll take your advice on all four. is a big number, a key number here. I'm going to take them plus four against Michigan at home in the rack where they've played well. Remember, this Michigan team was ranked fourth to start the year off. I watched them with my own eyes. I didn't think they were a top 25 team, and so far they haven't played to it. And then a play you don't like. I'm going to take UVA and Clemson under at Little John. Well, they played this game already at JPJ. Clemson dominated the yep. game. They shot 48%. They're not, I don't think they're going to shoot 48% again against Virginia. That's an aberration. I took the first half under 56 and a half here. You know, my only issue with this total is that it's going to take a little bit of a uh, little bit of poor shooting to get there because I think even if they don't play particularly well, they'll still find a way to get to 52 or so, and then it takes a bit of a break to get under this total. That's that's the only concern I have. And usually if you use the rule of thumb of about three points per minute, every time somebody knocks down a three-point shot, you lose that entire minute. So that, that's the only thing I have a concern with. But both teams should defend extremely hard, which we know Virginia will do. And Clemson, Brad Barnell's team has done a far better job than they get credit for throughout the course of the season in terms of defending their opponents. So it should be interesting to see what happens All right, you've tonight. got a pair of college basketball plays for us. Yeah, let's start in the ACC tonight. I like Wake Forest at home in this one. I think this is a team that's gone under the radar all season long, and they continue to do so. I think they're a dangerous team. I, I don't like this Florida State team as much as I have in years past. This Wake team came up a little bit short in Miami the other night. Uh, they've been extremely competitive. Came up just a bucket or two short against Louisville as well. They're coming in on a two-game losing streak. I like them to be able to bounce back here. 
But this team has really done a nice job. They've got some great size. They're going to be a real problem here. And I'll tell you what, Aldonis Williams has been terrific, averaging better than 20 points a game. But, Mike, the line is now at a pick so you're getting a better number if you take Florida State here. And then going to the Big Ten in the barn tonight, uh, Illinois laying seven on the road. I think Minnesota's record is a little bit false. They've played some weaker opponents, but I don't think the Illini are justified in laying seven on the road. As long as you can slow down Kofi Coburn inside, I think uh, Minnesota's got a great chance. They do need to make sure they shoot the ball well. This is a team that's a bit inconsistent in terms of how they shoot the basketball, but I, I think they've got a great opportunity here in, the, uh, in this game at the barn tonight. I like Minnesota plus seven. Now Minnesota won at Michigan in their Big Ten opener and then lost their second game hosting Michigan State, but it wasn't a blowout. It was a competitive game. Yeah. You look at their strength of schedule. They beat Mississippi State, um, but we'll see tonight how Illinois does. Illinois... Uh, have won seven of their last eight. Their only loss was to Arizona at home when they had a double-digit lead in the first half. I want to continue uh, looking at this lineup of college basketball games, um, all and a game I know that you're looking forward to watching from the SEC, the ESPN game tonight at 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern, is in Baton Rouge from the Peach Maravich Assembly Center. Big Blue, <laughs> the Kentucky Wildcats and John Calipari take on LSU. Kentucky ranks 16th, 11-2, and two. 1-0 in the SEC. LSU lost their SEC opener at Auburn. That's their only loss of the year. They're 12-1, have played not the greatest schedule. Their best win may be at Georgia Tech. Kentucky's two losses at Notre Dame, and, of course, the opener against Duke. LSU here, from one on the overnight to two, a total up five points from 139.5 to 144.5 of all. You referenced that LSU-Georgia Tech game. One of the gravy bets of the college basketball mm-hmm. season in the second half. LSU was trailing big by about as much as 14 in the mm-hmm. first half of that game being played in Atlanta. Neutral site, though. They put the press on before the end of the half, and they made a difference. Now, I don't know if the press is going to matter if you do it against uh, Kentucky because Xavier Wheeler has been outstanding, averaging almost eight assists per game. What a difference maker. It has been three transfers that have been the catalyst for this uh, Kentucky team. Oscar Tshibwe comes in from... Uh, West Virginia, where Bob Huggins was complaining, oh, he didn't want to do the work or what have you. It's a guy who put up 28 or 29 rebounds in the game last week. Think about that for a minute. I mean, that is, you talk about owning the glass. He has been terrific. Uh, Grady, of course, the transfer from Davidson can really shoot the basketball. Keon Brooks has been terrific. And then Ty Ty Washington. You're talking about five guys that are averaging double figures, so it's anybody on any given night. This team is extremely dangerous. I tell you what, Mike, I didn't play this game. I think it's a tough one to call. I think Big Blue's got a great chance to go on the road and win this one, but I've been impressed with LSU's defense. Will Wade field goal percentage defense has been outstanding, and we'll see if they can continue that against this uh, Kentucky team. But for me, I think Kentucky's going to own the glass. And if you're LSU, you've got to be able to knock down shots. Great shooting facility at the Press Maravich Center there, or excuse me, Pete Maravich. Uh, I, I think it should be a good game, uh, but I'm not going to touch this one. You know, I think what's dangerous about this Kentucky team is the fact they're shooting from beyond the arc a little yeah. better than the past few years, especially Grady. I think he's shooting nearly 50% on over 80 attempts. All right, number one Baylor hosts Oklahoma from the Farrell Center tonight. That's on ESPN2, 4 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock local time. Oklahoma comes in at 11-2, and 1-0 in the Big 12. They won their opener uh, against Kansas State by two points on Saturday, 71-69. to Baylor went up to Ames. They didn't cover 7.5. They led almost the entire game in a tough place to play, Hilton Coliseum. We remember that defensive performance they put on against Villanova, going on the road and beating Oregon, and also beating Michigan State. This team has done nothing wrong this year, 13-0 and ranked number one, but you got to lay 12 points in this spot with a total of 139.5.
Yeah, this is going to be a tough game for Oklahoma. When you look at defensive rating statistics, Baylor is number five overall in college basketball. I'd like to meet the other four teams that are better than them defensively. Porter Moser's team has been outstanding, though. They've shot the ball particularly well, 50% from the floor. Mike, better than 35% from the three-point arc. And this team has a plethora of guys that can really shoot from beyond the arc there. So this is going to be interesting. Gibson has been terrific. Groves as well. Um, I'm going to tell you, I didn't play this game, but I would look at Boomer sooner in 12 here. I think it's a bit of a big number. I just don't have the confidence to take it against Baylor because Baylor is very capable of winning this game by 17, 20 points because if they decide they're going to lock you down, it's over. I mean, you're just not going to be able to score and they suffocate you. Uh, so I stayed away from this one. I'm hoping OU kind of jumps out early and get a cheaper number on Baylor. Georgia Tech has lost four or five. They're six and six, 0 and two in the ACC as they roll into Cameron tonight, six o'clock Pacific time on the ACC network. Their only loss to open only loss was at Ohio State after the win over Gonzaga. Currently ranked number two, eleven and one, one and zero in the ACC. Blue Devils laying eighteen and a half with a total of one forty one. Simple formula in this game: if you're Duke, slow down Michael Devoe, one of the leading scorers in the nation, averaging twenty one points a game for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. If him and Jordan Usher aren't going, this team is in serious trouble. I just don't think they have the bodies inside to contain Palo Banchero and company. I think Duke should be able to dominate in this basketball game. They have had a terrific season so far. And, Mike, I think that role continues for Mike Krzyzewski's team. You know, nobody's talking about Wendell, uh, Wendell Moore and the job he's done so far for this Blue Devils team. He has been outstanding, and this team is continuing to play extremely well. They're long. They're tough defensively. It's going to be a challenge here for the Jackets. What's your favorite game tonight? Kentucky LSU. Yeah, it's an early one. It's an early one. It's going to be a good yeah. one. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned to Visa and up next, it's Betting Across America.